This entire sermon series that we're getting ready to launch today centers around Mythbusters. I want to say thank you so much for coming for our opening, uh, grand opening service. I tell you, we're stoked that you're here. We're going to have a great time, I promise you, during the entire month of September busting spiritual myths. The spiritual myth that we're going to bust today is this, that church is only for perfect people. Church is only for perfect people. I believe that church should be irresistible. I believe that when people wake up on Sunday morning and they're like, what do we do this morning? Should I get up? Should I clean the garage? Should I go to the lake? Should I go to Starbucks or should I go to church? That it's a no-brainer because I believe that church should be irresistible because Jesus was irresistible. People were drawn to Jesus Christ, and some people liked him, some people didn't like him, but the one thing you couldn't do with Jesus Christ is ignore him because he, when he showed up, it split everything, and it's amazing. I want to debunk the myth that church is for perfect people or, and another way you can say it this way, is that church is for churched people. If you really think about it, all over our community today and all over America, There's a lot of people that don't show up to church, and they usually think of it for this reason, that why would I want to go to church? Church is for churched people. Uh, You ask them, hey, you want to go to church with me? Well, you know what? I'm really not into that. That's not really my thing because church is for churched people. Church is for people who are into that stuff, that like church. And, And some people even kind of see it as a country club. You know, you got to pay your dues when the plate goes by. you got to make sure you get your name on the roll. And I believe that God's Word teaches that church should be farthest from that. That church should be a place where you can come and encounter God and have a great time doing it. It's amazing what every time God showed up in the pages of this book that we have here, people's lives were changed. And it's my prayer that during starting today and looking back over this next year, that people's lives would be changed here in North Clarksville. In fact, this is kind of a secret, so I don't want you to tell them, I hope my life is changed. I hope that God will get a hold of my life and he will change me from the inside out. But in order to do that, we have to drop religion and, and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe that most people think, hey, that's just not for me, but I want to spend the rest of my life changing that. I want to spend the rest of my life proving that church is not for churched people. The reason why I think if church is for church people, then Christianity has to be for church people, and that means Jesus Christ came for church people, and there wasn't even a church yet. Think about it. Church should be for everyone. Church should be for everybody. But many times, people don't really get it. And really, the biggest problem is this. It's not usually their problem. It's really our problem. It's the church's problem. Because many times, we put things in the way of people just connecting with God, to people just building that relationship with the Lord. It drives me nuts. I believe that most Americans, when you ask them, hey, do you believe in a God? 96% of all Americans say, yes, I do. 96%. So they're looking, we're all looking for something spiritual, but many times we don't go to the church to get it because of bad experiences, our past, whatever reason. 
But I believe that God uses the church and uses this book so that we can enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That all we need is Jesus, and that happens many times through the church. It did through me in my past. So let's debunk the myth that church is just for perfect people, that church is for church people. In order to do that, we're going to be looking at a dude today. And I, I, don't, I don't really pass out that word a lot, dude. But this dude is a dude. All right, this dude was amazing. His, I mean, he started off kind of rough, though. He started off really rough. In fact, he started off as a mass murderer, a known terrorist. I mean, he murdered and arrested Christ followers back in the first century. He was a tough dude. He was tough. You wouldn't want to meet this dude in an alleyway because you couldn't take him, and I couldn't take him. The only thing I could take him is to dinner. All right, that's a joke. All right. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> so this, I mean, he was, he was rough and tough. He, was, he, he, he loved hunting down Christians like dogs. He, he loved just, just, I mean, just murdering people. In fact, this fella, his name was Saul. The very first time that we find him in the New Testament is in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 7, verse 57 and 58, it says, Stephen, there's this uh, Christ follower, he, he is like, he loves the Lord, He's wanting, he, he has that relationship with Jesus Christ, and the people around him did not like Stephen. In fact, they liked him, they disliked him so much that they got stones, and they started killing this dude. He was the first martyr, the first person who was killed in the early church. Look at this. Then they put their hands over the ears, la, 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 drowning out Stephen's voice with their shouts, and they rushed at him. They dragged Stephen out of the city, and they began to stone him. The official witnesses took off their coats and laid them at a young feet, excuse me, laid them at the feet of a young man named, and what's his name? Saul. So Saul is there, and he's, there and, he's, and he's watching this innocent young man being killed. And this affected Saul deeply as he's watching this violent murder. It turned Saul into a bloodthirsty monster. Look at 8.1. The next time we catch up with him is in chapter 8, verse 1 of Acts. In the meantime, Saul kept up his violent threats, or Saul approved of his murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest that, that the very day the church in Jerusalem began to suffer cruel persecution, all the believers were scattered. I mean, they were, everybody was just being killed or wiped out or arrested. And it's all because of this man named Saul. This fella was far from perfect. Saul was getting ready to go on another, another murdering spree in Acts chapter 9. That is before Jesus shows up and UFC's him. Y'all know what UFC is, don't you? All right, come on. One person is there with me. All right. Look at Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. In the meantime, Saul kept up his violent threats of murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters of introduction into the synagogues in Damascus so that if he should find there any followers of the way, those are Christians, of the Lord, he would be able to arrest them, both men and women, 
and bring them back to Jerusalem. So Saul is getting ready to just go on another violent rampage. I mean, I don't know if you, if you have been in, in church for a while, or maybe you hadn't been in church for a while, maybe you left. Um, you know, a lot of times it's really easy to just go to church and uh, say, hey, I'm a Christ follower. Back in this day, it wasn't easy. You took your life in your own hands. I mean, the same thing happens with believers across the world in Iraq or in Turkey or in Egypt who say, hey, I'm a Christian. They literally, you can be taking your life in your own hands because they could be killed. Look at verse 3. As Saul was coming near the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from the sky flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. The voice said, but get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. Can God use a mass murderer to tell other people about Jesus? Yeah. Can God use an imperfect person to start a church? <laughs> yes. Can uh, it, And again, you may be new to this whole Christianity thing. Saul, God got up all into Saul's business. I mean, he got in, I mean, basically got in his face. And for, for three days after this encounter with Jesus, Saul is blinded. I mean, he's physically, he can't see. And in those three days in the darkness of his soul, he starts searching. Man, what have I been doing with my life? What have I been doing with all of this stuff? I mean, I, I've had passion. I've had zeal. I thought I was going one way, and I found out I should be going the exact opposite. And Saul had a, a dramatic change. In fact, it was so dramatic that God even changed his name. <laughs> That's some serious change. God changed his name from Saul to Paul. That's right. And again, just a reminder, Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. 13. He planted 14 different churches all over Europe and Asia. God used Paul to literally write half of the New Testament. That's, that's amazing. God used this imperfect person, and God still uses imperfect people today. He uses people with a past. Is that you? It's me. He uses people who are broken, people who have lost hope, people who are defeated, people who are failures, people who have broken relationships in their past, people who are down and out and really don't have all the answers. God uses imperfect people. God uses people who don't have it all together. You know, I'm here today as my life is an example how God can use somebody with a lot of spiritual junk in their spiritual trunks, and he can still use us. As we go to our last verse today, I want us to look at I want you to, if you can, uh, turn to Philippians chapter 3 if you have a Bible, because that's where we're going to end up today. By the way, Paul, this dude Saul, wrote this letter, Philippians. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, Verse 12, he says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. <laughs> Let me just say this. 
if Paul had not reached perfection, and he wrote half of the New Testament, have I reached spiritual perfection? Have you reached spiritual perfection? The answer is no. So let's just pretend. Let's just stop the pretending. Let's just stop saying that we've done all of that. And let's just stop saying, you know what, I'm not there yet. And that's okay. Because we're all on a spiritual journey. And I truly believe that God knows that we're not going to be perfect until we once get to heaven. But what God expects is not perfection but progress. Look at verse 12 again. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all of these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I keep working. There's the progress. But I keep working toward the day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. It's my prayer for you as we go through this journey, this spiritual journey, that this time next year you will be able to look back and say, I am not perfect, but I have progressed. I am not, I've not arrived yet, but I'm farther now than where I was because I chose to connect with God through a local church. That's what Paul is saying. I keep working toward that day. I don't give up. I don't quit. When I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. Look at this, verse 13. How do you do that? How do you really be used by God? Look at verse 13 and 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all that I should be, but I am focusing all of my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us up to heaven. So here's the big idea for this morning. If you want to be used by God, if you want God to come down and say, you know what, I want to be able to use you and I want to give your life purpose and meaning and not just be in the doldrums of just coasting. Anybody ever been there besides me? you just like, you wake up and on Monday morning it's just like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? I have, am I going to work because somebody tells me to? Because I have no joy, I have no purpose in my life. If you want to be used by God... You've got to do these three things in this verse. Look at this. You must focus. You must forget by moving forward. You must focus and forget by moving forward. Let's say those out loud. You must focus and forget by moving forward. Let's say them again. You must focus and forget by moving forward. That's what verses 13 and 14 say. Look at verse 13. I am still not all I should be. But I am focusing. I am focusing all of my energies on this one thing. What does it mean to focus? Well, quite frankly, the Webster's Dictionary I struggle with. So I ended up going to another dictionary in Carta and had a great definition. Webster just kind of missed the boat on this one. It says this, to focus on something means we concentrate on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. To focus means we must concentrate on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. Webster had this for a definition. It says this, focus is a ray of light focusing a ray of light into a single point. That's 
fairly good too. I guess we'll keep Daniel. This is a flashlight. I am going to turn this on. By the way, am I shining anybody's eyes? It's kind of painful, I know. I'll stop. Um, However, like when you look at this, it's not very bright. It's not very focused. I mean, you can focus lights. If you focused all of these rays of light into one light, you would have something that could cut through metal. You would have something that would cut through flesh. It's a laser. You see, all a laser is, is the focusing of all of these lights into one ray. And that one ray is powerful. It's something that can literally move mountains. God wants our lives to have focus. And focus around one thing. The one thing, he wants himself to be the focus. Jesus wants to be the focus of your life. So that when you wake up, you don't think about, oh, I've got to go do that again on Monday morning. It's like he wants himself to be the focus. He wants you to spend time with him through God's word and for him to be the focus. He wants you to pray to him and let him be the focus. He wants your life to revolve around him. And by doing that, you will be a single ray and you will have purpose. You will have concentrated on him to the exclusion of everything else. And by doing that, guess what? It's amazing. If we seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, then what will happen? All of these things will be added to you. He wants our lives to focus around him. Now, in order to do that, you've got to do something else. You've got to forget. Let's keep on reading. I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all of my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past. If you want to focus on Christ, you have to forget your past. And some of us have some doozies of a past, don't we? Come on now, tell the truth, shame the devil. I mean, all of us, but some of us even more than others, all right? We got some past. We got some failures. We got some business failures. We got some financial failures. We have some marital failures. We have uh, parental failures. We have failed. We've been broken. We've messed up. And God says, I want you when you come to me and you enter into that relationship with me, forget it because you are made new. Think about Saul. Saul had all this stuff and God met him on that road. And what happened to Saul? (laughs) He became Paul. He became a new person. God wants that for you. That when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ... He wants you to be new. It's amazing. God even says, you know what? I'm not going to remember your past anymore. He doesn't care about it. Look, this is going to be on the screen. Isaiah 43, 25. This verse stokes me. This is awesome. Isaiah 43, 25 says this, but I wipe away your sins because of who you are. Is that what it says? Because of what? Because of who I am. I do not remember the wrongs that you have done. I wipe away your sins. I do not remember the wrongs that you've done. The only way he can't remember, you have to enter into that relationship with Jesus. You have to to say yes to Jesus and no to everything else. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. 
And when we enter into that relationship with him, he says, I don't care about your past. I care about your present. And that's my present to you. I care about the now. I care about the today. I care that you get close to me. But aren't we our worst, own worst enemy? I mean, seriously. I can think about what happened five years ago and what I've done and the bad stuff I did. I can think about ten years when I kicked the cat, you know, even though the cat deserved it. All right, 15 years when, gosh, when I was in college, and we won't even bring that up. And then, I mean, we're our own worst enemy. And God's saying, listen, I don't remember that stuff, so you stop remembering it. You're getting off target. You're losing focus. Focus on me. Focus on me by forgetting your past and look at what he says after that. I'm still not all I should be, but I am focusing all of my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and Looking forward. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what? To what lies ahead. I strain. I strain. I strained to reach the end of the race and to receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. You, we must focus on Jesus. We must forget our past and we must look forward. We must move forward. Focus, forget, look forward. Focus, forget, and look forward. He doesn't expect perfection, but what he does expects is progression. This is a, a spiritual principle, but a physical principle as well, because wherever you're looking, you're going to go there. Um, before I left in 93, before I left Clarksville, uh, I had a bout with running. I decided I was going to run one day. Why is that funny? And gum. Um, so uh, we lived at the bypass at the time, and uh, I decided to run downtown and then from, to, from downtown to run to Gateway Medical Center. So I, I did that. I, I'm serious. I'm not making this. I ran to Gateway Medical Center. I was admitted to Gateway. Uh, they <laughs> gave me some oxygen. And uh, then I, my Geo Metro, y'all know what a Geo Metro is? The car is about this big. All right? uh, it was at home, so I still had to get home. So I decided, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run home. So I'm running. All right, we're running down Madison Street, and we're, I'm running from the hospital going back downtown, and somebody blows their horn. And, and I'm thinking, hey, that must be one of my friends, all right? So, I, so I'm waving, all right? I'm on the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, bam, I hit a telephone pole. I kid you not. I hit a telephone pole. So I don't know if they were my friends or not. They started laughing, so evidently they weren't. Um, but there's a principle in that that if you don't look forward and if you look in somewhere else, you're going to have a wreck. You're going to hit a telephone pole. And some of us, we're too distracted on ourselves or looking at somebody else or looking at our past while we're trying to run forward, and it doesn't work. We must strain to reach the goal. And that goal is Jesus Christ. He is our focus. He is our focus. You know, um, if you want to do this, if you want to say, you know what, I'm an imperfect person, but I want God to use me. 
I want to have focus. I want to have purpose in my life. It's great that you, that you focus and you forget and you move forward, but I've got to be honest with you, life happens, and sometimes jobs and kids and finances just suck that stuff right out of you, and you're like, and you're down in the dumps again. You're down on your doldrums. I would encourage you to do this, that if, you're, if you say, I want to be used by God, I, I know God doesn't want perfection. He doesn't expect that yet. But what he does want is progression. I would encourage you to get with a group of people and to spend time together. We call it around here doing life together. And those groups are called community groups. Today, we are starting, we are starting a sign-up sheet for our community groups. And I would encourage you as we leave this theater and as you go out the exit... There is a table there that you can sign up for community groups. And I'd encourage you to do that. What is a community group? Well, let me let you know. A community group is 12 to 16 people that meets in a house some night of the week, during the week, and they pray with one another, they open God's Word together, and you share. Those are the three things. You share with one another, you pray with one another, and you open God's Word together. And it's a place where you're going to find some friendships, you're going to find some relationships, and when you start getting off track and you start looking there or looking behind and you start losing focus, they can help you regain focus again. They can help encourage you. So today and through the entire month of September, we're going to be having sign-ups for our community groups. And as you sign up, put your name, put your phone number, and then put what nights of the week would be good for you. Because I know you're busy. I'm busy. Um, Mondays might not work well for you. Sunday nights might. Wednesday nights. Thursday nights. I don't know. Uh, Saturday night, I don't know what it is. But put down some of the, the days of the week that will work for you, and we'll have one of our staff contact you and invite you. And we're going to do this thing together. Because know that I am not perfect and you are not perfect, but we serve a perfect God who wants us to progress, who wants us not to stumble and fall and not to hit spiritual telephone poles, but to be able to go together and do this thing called life together. Because we believe that life change doesn't take place listening to one speaker. Life change doesn't take, doesn't take place in here. Life change doesn't take place just by filling a big auditorium. Life change takes place around relationships. They take place when you are able to drop the mask and get real, and you're able to talk and to be real with other people. And I'd encourage you to do that. Before we close today, you may be, you may be that Saul. You may have a terrible past. And I would say we all have had that past. The difference between maybe some of us and some of you, is that you don't have that relationship with God yet. You've not known how to enter into that relationship with Him. So what we're going to do is this. We're going to have a, a time. We're not going to ask you to come forward. We just want you to remain seated. But as we pray, and if you want to enter into a relationship, not join a church, not do it, just to say, Jesus, I need help, and I need you to come in my life. We're going to do that. So if we could pray, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you need that relationship with him, if you've tried it your way and it just, to be quite honest, it just hasn't worked. 
You can pray a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, Lord, I, I still have a lot of questions. I don't understand all of this stuff. But I understand that I am hopeless. And I am helpless. And that I need you. I need you, Father. So, Lord, right now, Jesus, I ask that you would come into my heart, that you would come into my life, that you would forgive me of all of my stuff, all of my sin, all of my wrongs, and that you would remember them no more. Lord, I pray, Lord, I ask Jesus to come into my heart, to begin that relationship with him. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I love you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some great things that happen right there in your heart, inside. Because you are now changed from the inside out. You literally, you're a new person. Maybe not with a new name. The Lord has made you new. Lord, I pray for all of us. All of us who have uh, maybe have made that commitment before, but we walked away. Maybe some of us that we've been, we've, we've never walked away from you, God. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that all of us are special and that you died for everyone. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.